Galatians 5 today, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Those are God's words. Amen? Amen. In just a few days, uh, we will celebrate uh, the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington of Freedom and Jobs. Uh, And I just think it's notable, uh, it's something to note this morning, 50 years ago almost to the day, uh, we'll celebrate the March on Washington. What's interesting about this march is it was publicized all around the country in the United States in 1963, Everybody knew about it. There were some 250,000 people that showed up for this march. Uh, and it's interesting that you would have the, the national major news networks filming this, and uh, there were people coming out to speak. And, of course, uh, Dr. King gave his famous I Have a Dream speech uh, at this march uh, at the Washington Monument. Um, one of the things that's interesting to note is that at, uh, during this time of the march, uh, it was speculated that there would be brawls and riots and uh, just craziness at the march. Uh, so, as you can imagine, police were in full force. The National Guard was there, present. Um, th- th- there were masses of people. This event actually shut down D.C. for the day. I mean, this was a huge undertaking. And what I love about this is that it was fueled by a grassroots uh, cause. And so uh, all these people came and marched on Washington for freedom and jobs. One of the things you may not know is the reality that um, they, they instituted, uh, the organization instituted their own marshals. Um, so they trained and sent out leaders that would be a part of the march called the marshals. These marshals, they wore uh, gold bands on their arms, and they had these capital letters that were painted in black, a big M on their arms. And the marshals' job was to be crowd control. The marshals' job was to keep people in line. The marshals' job was to be the governor of the crowd. This blows my mind because when we come to our text this morning, what we'll see is the Holy Spirit being crowd control. The Holy Spirit being a divine marshal, if you will. The Holy Spirit being the governor and controlling all the things that we have going on inside of us. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. God has sent us a divine marshal. And this morning we're going to talk about some of the roles of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. But before we dive in, let's pray. Father, thank you that you are present with us now. Father, thank you that as we've worshipped and as we've corporately prayed, God, that you have heard us, that you've received our worship. Father, you live in our worship and we thank you for that this morning. Father, I also pray that you would just visit with us now. Even as the word goes forth, Father, uh, this is a holy moment where the Spirit is at work. And so we pray that that would be the case. So, Father, do work on us. Do work in us. 
to change us and draw us closer to You for Your glory and for Your praise. Father, allow me to decrease that You may increase for Your glory and for Your fame. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Um, One of the things I love about studying the book of Galatians is it's real stuff, right? And what I mean by that is uh, we'll find this text on the backdrop of some background that says the church of Galatia was a messed up church. The church of Galatia, they were known for their wavering. So Paul is writing to the church of Galatia. There's certain bodies of believers all around this place, which would be modern-day Turkey, uh, there's body of believers that, that are gathering. They've got some issues going on, and Paul is writing to challenge and encourage them. So as he's writing and penning this letter, he anticipates that it will be sent from body of believer to body of believer to the church in Galatia. And one of the things about the church in Galatia is that they are a wavering church. They've got one foot inside of the church and one foot outside of the church. Is that a familiar story to you? Anybody familiar with that this morning? That's the church that we're, we're dealing with this morning. And one, what I love about this is Paul says to them, uh, don't get it twisted. There is only one gospel. Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, there is no other gospel than the one that I've preached to you. Church of Galatia, is, if there is one person, if, if, if there is angels, or even if myself, if I preach any other gospel to you, let them be accursed. Paul says, newsflash, there is no other gospel because they've been wavering. They've, they've got one foot inside of the church and one foot outside of the church. And Paul says, hold on now. I'm going to send you this newsflash. There is no other gospel than the gospel that I've preached to you. And some of us need to hear that this morning. As you've been wavering, maybe you've been trusting in yourself and in your own abilities, in your own wisdom and your own intellect, the message Paul would say to you is, "Uh uh-uh, slow down. There is no other gospel. And the gospel that Paul is speaking of this morning He's speaking of the gospel that says Jesus died for the penalty of our sins. He's speaking of the gospel that says Jesus was buried for the penalty of our sins. And Jesus rose again with all power, conquering sin and death. Paul says, wait a minute, there is no other gospel. Let it be known, Church of Galatia. You ever decide to waver, I want you to be sure that you know that there is no other gospel. Paul continues by saying, Church of Galatia, because of that gospel, by faith, you are declared righteous. And he wants to make this clear. He says, Church of Galatia, there is nothing you can do to save yourself. It's not by law. It's not by your good works. You can only be saved, Church of Galatia, by faith. Downtown church, I would say the same thing to you this morning. And maybe you've been keeping tallies of your good works and your bad works. And maybe you've been working, working, and trying to do good things to be more acceptable to God. Paul would say this morning, you can't do it. The only way that you can be saved 
is by faith. He says, no works can fix the sin that's in your life. But only by faith can you be justified. Paul tells the church, see, church, because of the gospel of Jesus, you are free. He says to them, you're no longer slaves to sin. You're free. You're free. You are a new creature in the 2 Corinthians 5.17 kind of way. You have been changed. You're a new creature. You are no longer the same person that you were before. You've been changed. And you've been freed from bondage. I love the quote of Harriet Tubman that says this. I freed a thousand slaves and I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were saved. Paul is saying, as believers in the gospel, get this, you've been freed. You're no longer subject to the shackles of sin. You've been freed. As we get a bit closer to our text this morning, he says, you've been freed, so walk in the Spirit. Did you get that progression there? There's the faith that's in the work of Christ, which justifies you and I. And Christ then frees you from the bondage of sin. And he gives you the Holy Spirit. And when he gives you the Holy Spirit, he says, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Then Paul gives this picture of this, this just dichotomy of, of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh and the, fu- the fruit of the Spirit. Which tells me for the believer in Christ, there is no survival in life without the Spirit of God working in and through you. Without the Spirit of God infiltrating your, your life, get, get what you'll be controlled by. You'll be controlled by the works of the flesh. Without the Spirit of God intervening into your world, intervening into your marriage, you'll be controlled by the works of the flesh. Without the Spirit of the living God intervening into your dating relationship, you'll be controlled by the works of the flesh. Without the Spirit of God intervening into your life, you can't have integrity. You can't be a person of character because you're controlled You're dominated, you're saturated by the works of the flesh. So often, especially in our circles, we we really do devalue um, the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to be careful here, but I want to tell the truth. Um, And I love that we've been walking through, Richard's been walking through, um, just the, the doctrine on the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit Because so often we devalue the work of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we don't want to be seen as charismatic. Um, Because we don't want to be seen as weird or mystical. And we push down the work of the Holy Spirit. So now the Trinity becomes God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Martin Luther. Um, God the Father, God the Son, uh, and the Holy Tim Keller. That's who the Trinity becomes. Because we've devalued, we hadn't elevated the work of the Spirit. Do you know that the Spirit, the work of the Spirit was present at creation? The work of the Spirit was the one who brought forth Jesus and put Jesus in the womb of Mary as a virgin. The work of the Holy Spirit, which tells me we cannot exist without the work of the Spirit can't live 
We can't move. We don't have a true being without the work of the Spirit all up and in our world. We need it. We got to have it. We need to be reminded that we essentially are spiritually bankrupt with, without the, whole, the work of the Spirit. And I'm talking about Bible. This isn't some mystical uh, thing. This is the Holy Spirit at work in your and my life changing us and doing things in us. Look at Romans 8.11 with me. Paul says it this way. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Do you need life this morning? Do you you feel like you're spiritually dead? Do you need raising from the dead? You better trust in the work of the Spirit. Because if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that, that, that lives inside of me, what does that mean for me? Rest in that for a moment. The reality that the same Spirit that raised a dead Jesus lives on the inside of you if you're a believer. That means you have unimaginable power. You have unimaginable victory over sin. That means that the believer isn't one who should be walking around defeated and in bondage. Why? Because you are already free through Christ. You have victory in Christ. You have victory because the Spirit of God, not in your own strength, because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you and is working in and through you. You need hope this morning. Trust in the Spirit. Depend on the, the power of the Spirit to work in and through you. Have faith in the Spirit. You might ask, uh, what can the Holy Spirit do for me? A guy much smarter than me named Wayne Grudem, he talks about four works of the Spirit. And of course, this isn't a comprehensive list, but I think it's a good one. The reason you and I ought to long for the work of the Spirit is because the Holy Spirit empowers. The Holy Spirit empowers. And my prayer, even before standing up here before you, is Holy Spirit, empower me to declare your words to your people. The Holy Spirit purifies. And there's many of us who have dealt with some pretty, pretty dark things. I've heard some of your stories. There's some of us who have dealt with some pretty dark things And it's tough for us to walk in the knowledge of Christ because we're held back by our past. But the Holy Spirit purifies. The Holy Spirit cleanses. What does that mean for me? That's hope for Chris Davis. Why? Because I'm not held to the things in my past. He purifies. He cleanses. The Holy Spirit reveals. So as we are preparing and looking for a new building. We've been begging God, Holy Spirit, reveal to us, give us wisdom, help us, show us where to go. That's who we ought to depend on and not ourselves. We ought to depend on the Holy Spirit because He teaches, He he reveals to us. You want to know who you should be dating? Trust the Holy Spirit. Uh, you, you, you're trying to figure out this marriage thing. Maybe it's on the rocks. 
Trust the Holy Spirit. God can reveal through the Holy Spirit where you should go and what you should do. The Holy Spirit unifies. And Richard did a fantastic job talking about this and what that means for the church and what that means for us ethnically. The Holy Spirit unifies. See, the fruit of the Spirit points to what is produced in us. These are evidences that the Spirit of God is working in and through you and I. See, the way that I know that I am saved, the way that I know that I'm marked by Jesus Christ, is not what I do, but it's by the fruit that I bear. It's not only by what I do, but it's by the fruit that I bear. See, trying your best is not good enough. Working harder is not good enough. The way that I know that I'm saved is by the fruit that I bear. But the way I discern if I'm marked by Christ, Jesus said it best in Matthew 7, they'll know them by the fruit that they bear. Listen to this. Paul says the fruit, the fruit. Paul says the fruit, which is singular. And then he goes on to give us this list, plural. Paul says the fruit, singular, And then he gives us multiple things in this list. What does that mean? Uh, Did he not go to English class? You know, what, what, what is Paul talking about? Here's what Paul is talking about. He says the fruit singular. And then he gives us this list because these things work in concert with one another. Um, we're supposed to be functioning, get this, in all of them simultaneously. See, some of us have a bent more towards uh, patience. Some of us are more joyful people, but a person marked by Jesus Christ is functioning in all of these things. Now, some of y'all are afraid, like, what? Am I not saved? I'm not functioning in all of these things. Um, I love what Paul does. The picture he gives is of a plant. Um, And you know that a plant grows when it gets that sunshine and when it gets that water, but you can't see it grow. It's gradual. So what Paul is saying is that this is a gradual process, but it's inevitable. It's gradual. Yes, these things, uh, kindness and goodness, these fruit of the Spirit should be growing in your life. And maybe it's growing slower than others, but it better be growing. Otherwise, you may want to question some things. He's letting us know that if you're marked by Jesus Christ, these things will grow in your heart and in your life. See, even in that gradual growth, the Holy Spirit, get this, produces kindness. Watch where we're going. The Holy Spirit produces kindness. Kindness is the quality of being friendly, generous, or considerate. Kindness is the quality of of being friendly, generous, or considerate. Uh, Kindness is easy enough for us to understand, but many times it's much tougher for us to do. Um, I can admit that I'm I'm really not uh, a naturally kind person. That's just not my natural bent, just to to be kind. I'd much rather you just leave me alone and I just go in the hole someplace. Uh, and be by myself. I'm, 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 I, I, I'm not a naturally kind kind of person. 
Um, Paul often instructed Christians to be kind to one another. Ephesians 4.32 says it this way. Be kind to one another, uh, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Also, Colossians 3.12, he says it this way. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Kindness. Kindness. Um, I remember driving uh, to see a friend in Athens, Ohio. And I can't exactly remember the month, but it had to be a winter month because it was blistering cold. It was freezing cold. I drove my car a number, eight, nine hours to go to go visit a friend. Um, and so I, I'm almost to the destination and I get this flat tire. And I had these special wheels on my car, um, shiny wheels, rims, I'm just playing. Yeah. Um, I had some rims on my car and uh, uh, I got this flat and it's freezing cold. It's snowing like crazy. And so I'm trying to change this flat, but every couple minutes, my ha- I can't feel my hands. So I'm going in and out of the car just to try to warm up my hands uh, to take this tire off. And I'll come back out. Well, this car pulls up behind me. Um, headlights still on, pull up behind me and stop. And this young guy gets out of the car. He's like, hey, man, you need help? I'm like, what do you think I'm doing? I mean, it's a snowstorm. What, what, what do you think I'm doing? And uh, so he was like, I, I, I'll help you out. So he was like, let me try. And this dude just goes to work. I mean, he's pulling off the lug nuts. He's jack. He gets his own special jack out of his trunk. And I'm like, nah, man, I, I'm feeling like less of a man. You know, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, bro, can, can I do something? You know, and, uh, and so he's, I mean, he's whipping it out. He's changing his tire like crazy. And uh, he gets the tire on. Um, and I'm like, man, I, I, I feel bad. And, you know, he's a couple of times he told me, he was like, man, you can go sit in the car like you little wimp. Because I'm sitting there like my hands are freezing cold. And uh, I did a couple times, you know, I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I, this guy changes his tire for me and he, he just takes off. He w- I said, man, I got to give you some money. Like, you got to let me pay you. He was like, man. Nah, man, I, I can't do that. And he was like, man, I hope you have a safe trip. And he left. That's kindness. Kindness is living and working uh, for the benefit of others. What's sad is the church in Memphis has struggled with this so poorly. I mean, the church in Memphis has struggled with this. Uh, you know why the homosexual community feels ostracized by the church? We don't do kindness well. We're we're not kind. We are not walking in the Spirit in this area. You know how broken people, people that that have been in the trenches as it relates to sin, have just messed up big, you know why they aren't beating down the doors of the church? Because we're not kind people. And maybe you've been in the church before when maybe a teenage girl got pregnant and they brought her in front of the church. Um... We're not kind people. And what Paul is saying is, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, you are kind. And we struggle with that in the church. That's why the church in Memphis has suffered so much. You know what's easy? 
um, I find it incredibly easy uh, to be kind to somebody who's kind to me. Um, so that guy who's helping me change my tire, I'm trying to give him some money. I'm like, bro, you want me to take you out to eat? Like, what do you want me to do? Um, but the guy that drove past me, I'm, you know, speaking in other languages to that guy. He didn't stop and help me, you know. Um, it's so easy for us to be kind to people who are kind to us. Um, Jesus says it this way in Luke 6:35, "But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil." Do you see that? The God that we love and serve is kind to people who don't deserve it, and to people who are evil. That's what we're called to do. Can the people you work with see your kindness? Do they experience that kind of kindness from you? Does your spouse experience that kind of kindness from you? People you're in relationship, does your neighbors experience, do they experience that kind of kindness from you? The kind of kindness that even ungrateful people receive from you. The kind of kindness that evil people receive from you like our Savior does. Another thing, the Holy Spirit also produces goodness. The Holy Spirit produces goodness. The idea behind goodness is going the extra mile. Uh, it's the idea of generosity towards someone else. See, the reason why the Holy Spirit produces goodness is because that's a characteristic of God. Psalm 34, 8 says this. Read it with me. Read it out loud with me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The psalmist says, taste and see. Try him. He's good. Psalm 136, 1. Read this out loud with me. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. He is good. You know what goodness is? When you're at the house and sitting at the dinner table, or maybe you're at a restaurant and you had appetizers, the last little bit, you're like, oh, no, you, no, you. To me, that's goodness. Thank you. Uh, um, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, uh, that is goodness, though. Uh, Anybody ever seen the movie The Butler? just came out. I'm going to wreck the shop a little bit. Um, I'm not going to tell too much. Don't worry. Uh, so there's a scene in this movie where Cecil Gaines, he's the main character played by Forrest Whitaker. When he's a boy, um, all this stuff happens, and uh, he grows up to be a young man, and he decides to leave uh, the plantation where his family uh, were, were slaves at. And so he leaves this plantation, he packs up his things, and he finds himself far away from the plantation, but estranged. He has no family, um, he has nobody, he has no friends. Uh, he breaks into this house, and he's just eating their food, their desserts, and things like that. Um, one of the workers in, that works in this house came down and saw him on the floor. Uh, he's got a bloody hand. He's got cake all over his face, and he tells him, get up, 
get up. And he, he gets him up and he medicates his wounds. He, he, he doctors his wounds for him. And as they're sitting there, uh, the offender uh, asks the person that he broke into their house. He said, will you give me a job? Do you have any work here? Uh, and the guy said, you, you mean to tell me you broke in my house, eat my food, and you, then you asked for a job? What, what kind of stuff is that? And then the guy gives him a job. And he mentors him and he disciples him in being a butler. He trains him. That's goodness. Goodness to a person who has offended you. That's goodness. That's a, that's a spirit-led kind of goodness. That's the goodness that Paul is speaking of here. That's goodness. That's the kind of goodness. The major question Paul addresses in the book of Galatians is, hear this, how am I to go from the works of the flesh to the fruit of the Spirit? That's one of the major questions he's asking. He gives us, in chapter 5, the works of the flesh, but he also gives the fruit of the Spirit. And the, the overwhelming question is, how am I to go from the works of the flesh to the fruit of the Spirit? See, the only way that you can change, the only way that you can go from the work of the Spirit, the work of the flesh to the fruit of the Spirit, is through Jesus. You might say, you're giving me the Sunday school answer. But you can't be like Jesus if you aren't with Jesus. The goal isn't only to be like Jesus. Because there is a lot of philanthropists that give a lot of money to people and they do a lot of good things, but they haven't been with Jesus. See, the goal is to be with them. And if you're with them, if you're in relationship with them, if you have faith in Him, you will be like Him. That should be our ultimate goal, is to be with Jesus. See, until you and I understand that unless our kindness and our goodness are fueled by the Holy Spirit, we'll always come up short. Every single time. Unless we realize that our kindness and our goodness is fueled by the Holy Spirit, it comes from, it's derived from the Holy Spirit, We'll come up empty. We'll come up short every single time. Um, <laughs> y'all ever seen those uh, kid harnesses? Yeah, um, those things crack me up. Uh, you know, they try to dress them up a little bit. You know, put a little teddy bear on them. You know, to make it look nice, right? Um, and if some of y'all have these. I ain't in your house. I don't know. Um, these things crack me up. You see them all over the place sometimes. And honestly, let me just be honest. I'm, I'm going to come through the front door and say that I tried to find a diverse group of pictures. Um, but uh, I couldn't find no black folks. Uh, I'm just, hey, I, I'm just saying. Um, but look at, look at this. 
It's crazy. But it reminds me of, get this, the work of the Spirit. It reminds me of the work of the Spirit. See, sometimes you're going in one way and the Spirit is going in the other way. See that up there? Sometimes you're going in one direction and the Spirit is going in a totally opposite direction. Sometimes you ain't going nowhere and the Spirit is dragging you along the way. You know? And sometimes you're walking in the Spirit and it's just calm, it's sweet, it's nice. You're walking in the Spirit and then you hit the ground. You don't want to move. The Spirit's got to drag you a little bit. But the reality is, the reality is, even with, you know, these little child harnesses, these kids, get this, are controlled by mom and dad, right? That's the, that's the main picture. These kids are controlled by mom and dad. Uh, mom and dad hold the reins, literally. And what we should pursue We ought to be pursuing to be controlled by the Spirit. That should be our our desire. We ought to desire to be governed by the Spirit of the living God. Because without the Spirit's work in our lives, we have nothing. We're lost. Let me just say this. You don't need an extra dose of the Spirit. You do not need to be baptized in the Spirit a second time. When you come to saving faith in Jesus, you have all the Spirit of the living God that you need. He is working in you. He's purifying you. He's empowering you. He's equipping you. He's teaching you. He's revealing to you. That should be our primary desire, to be Control. In my marriage, I want to be controlled by the Spirit. As I'm dating, I want to be controlled by the Spirit. As I spend my money, I want to be controlled by the Spirit. My desire should be to be governed by the Spirit of the living God. Why? Because of the work of the cross. I'm now free. Jesus says, walk in the Spirit because you are free through the cross. Because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross, he lived and he died the death you and I should have died. And he was buried in the grave that you and I should have been buried in. He was raised again on the third day, giving us the opportunity to be reconciled to the Father once again. That's why we should walk in the Spirit That's why we have the freedom to be governed by the Spirit. Jesus ascended into heaven, and He left for us a comforter. He didn't leave us alone. So walk in Him. Desire Him. Long for Him. Long to be saturated in the Spirit of the living God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Holy Spirit, thank You. God, thank You. Thank You, Jesus, for this time. And I pray, Father, that our lives would be marked by the work of the Spirit. That we would be changed by 
the Spirit, God. That we be convicted by the Spirit. That we be taught all things by the Spirit. Help us to be Spirit-led people. Help us to be a Spirit-led church. Help us to long and desire for the work of the Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. And may this city see kindness and goodness from us, not for our own fame, but for your fame and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.